My name is Katie Owens. I am our president and co-founder, and I am really thrilled that you are devoting your most precious resource, your time, to our conversation today. Physician onboarding is candidly one of the most requested topics that we get asked to support organizations with, to provide best practice resources. And so I'm really thrilled for our agenda and conversation today, joined by my colleagues, Dr. Rob Minkus and Dr. George Maisel. We're going to explore the need to expand physician onboarding as a critical strategy to support your retention objectives. And in reviewing your feedback prior to today's webinar, that was a big area of focus that you've requested is how to connect onboarding to different retention metrics and strategies. We're going to review some high impact opportunities that we're seeing across organizations to prioritize and look at ways to expand and amplify your onboarding initiative success. And then we'll leave you hopefully with some practical ways we can support your physician onboarding efforts. Before we dive into our time together, I just, for those of you new to our Healthcare Experience Foundation learning events, we are an organization that is focused day in and day out on supporting healthcare organizations with the fundamental premise that every person is worthy of an environment where they can both deliver and receive the best healthcare experience. And today we fulfill our mission by supporting you with a a fast track to really equip um, candidly a vulnerable area of your workforce in your medical staff, helping them feel confident, assimilated in your organization and equipped to deliver excellent patient care. We support physician development through a number of ways at Healthcare Experience Foundation, from supporting graduate medical education programs with resident and faculty development, one-on-one personalized provider development, physician leadership development programming, and of course, the topic of today's conversation, physician onboarding and performance strategies. And I'm honored to be joined by my colleagues, Dr. George Maisel and Dr. Rob Minkus from our physician coaching team, or who are really going to facilitate our conversation today. And please let me remind everyone that um, feel free to chat any questions, share any observations or um, t- key takeaways that you've had. Physician onboarding and orientation is an often overlooked opportunity that can help organizations attract top talent, which is a need for most of our organizations, create an environment where physicians, especially new physicians, feel welcomed, valued, and empowered to excel in their roles. And we know that when it's done right, our new uh, provider hires can become the change agents and leaders we seek And this isn't always uh, an easy task in our current environment and current practices. As organizations, we've appropriately focused on contracting, credentialing, which can be a difficult process, and getting our physicians up and running as soon as possible. But we also know that the excitement of a first job, if you're fresh out of training, or a new job quickly evaporates if we do a poor job investing in the process. A well-structured onboard process integrates from the very beginning the recruiting and hiring process, sets a positive tone, and fosters that sense of belonging that can improve job satisfaction, retention, and even organizational culture down the road. I think overarching some of the punchline is making the process robust yet 
individualized enough that it feels personal for the oncoming physician. So, George? Right. Thanks, Rob. You know, I think we all know intuitively that onboarding is important. We've all been in jobs where we've sort of felt very welcomed and easy. And, you know, when you're moving into a healthcare job, you're often moving cities, you're often maybe leaving residency. Um, and sometimes we forget just how critical it is to get past just the credentialing and the compliance stuff, which is always important, has to be done. Um, what we sort of sometimes forget is that onboarding really leads to retention. And retention is critical. And I think most of us, you know, know about all the challenges of practicing medicine today with burnout and frustration. And it's very, very expensive to replace a physician, um, anywhere from $250,000 to a million dollars to replace a doc. Again, when you start thinking about not just the cost of the transition, but the time spent, the you know, the money spent on recruiting, the time spent in lost revenue while you're not billing for the new doc. Um, if you can find that person. And so onboarding really takes on a life of itself and frankly is going to be a game changer um, for successful organizations. And again, it really does translate into real dollars. Um, you know, again, past the compliance and and that and those kind of things. Um, if you can shave a couple months off by being diligent and tracking um managed care payer contracts, that translates into real revenue. Um if you can get patients into that practice, you know, you presumably you have an abundance of patients, or at least hopefully, but you got to get those transition to the new physician in a positive way where patients feel like um, that's where they want to be. And obviously, you know, getting that person out in the community and having them feel welcome, not just into the hospital and healthcare system, but in the in the community. Because again, the goal is to make it a great experience, but also to have that person stay. And all that translates into sort of matching a good culture. So again, you know, just simplifying things, you know, you're attracting good candidates um, through word of mouth and through marketing. Um, you're selecting a recruit, and we'll talk more about that later. But again, it's got to be a cultural match. Um, selecting the wrong person, um, there's not enough onboarding in the world that's going to make that a good fit. Um, that welcome and onboarding and making that person feel like they've made the right decision, um, the assimilation. And then obviously, um, we're going to talk more about this, but this is, onboarding is really not a you know an event. It's a process. It doesn't stop. Um, so that engagement and retention and ultimately um, offboarding when that person leaves or having that person onboard other people. So it, it's really um, something that doesn't have a starting point and doesn't have an ending point. Again, onboarding is a really great opportunity um, to get that person integrated into the healthcare system right away. And again, you may be bringing that person into a group. There may be a hospital or hospitals involved, or the patient may be pure outpatient. He certainly or she is going to need to refer to other physicians. Um, so the, the easier you make it, uh, the more likely that person is going to have a good experience, make the right decisions, and, and fit into the process. Um, obviously, patient safety and quality and protocols are 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 important, and there's all you know list of compliance and and um, other requirements that have to be sort of boxes have to be checked. But um, but you know those are important, and you got to get them done. But that's not really going to lead you to um, a good fit and retention. So all those things, making it comfortable for that person coming in, um, and it's tricky because if you're in a system where you have a whole bunch of uh, moving parts with a number of folks coming in, maybe some physicians, some APPs, 
you know, their families are coming in. Um, and we'll talk more about it, but there's a lot of things to keep track of because it's not just, again, compliance and credentialing. There's a lot more to it. But let's jump back and start at the beginning. And I mentioned this earlier. Um, the key is to pick the right person. And, you know, I know in some specialties, you don't have a choice. In some specialties, you're just lucky to get anybody. But obviously, the closer the values and the culture is to your organizational values, um, the better the fit will be. And some of those, making sure that person understands the, the values and the culture of the organization um, by talking to a number of people. Again, if you pick the right person because you, they've done their research and you've done your research, um, then the onboarding is a lot easier because at least you're not fighting um, different values and cultures. Um, so again, can't say enough about that, but um, but we will. So important stuff. We're going to go over uh, a few steps that uh, organizations have used to be uh, successful. And the first one is setting the right tone in building trust during this onboarding process. And this is crucial for successful integration and long-term satisfaction and all the positive downstreams, downstream uh, effects. And as George mentions, this starts with the recruiting, recruiting and hiring process. This is our opportunity as an organization for our first impression, right? This establishes our credibility, our professionalism, our respect, empathy, how we're going to communicate. And uh, as a medical director in the last organization that I worked in, we successfully adopted a concierge approach where we would really help our new hires and walk them through the most difficult processes. Instead of saying, oh, call this person, call this person, you know, we took the concierge approach, which really uh, had great long-term payoffs. Uh, and the next part of that is ask for feedback. Ask ask our candidates how we're what 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 can we do for them, and that goes to that personalized approach that we talked about. And our our providers, our physicians and clinicians, want to know how to be successful. They want to participate. We need to include standards of performance, uh, organizational physician compacts if we have them, and the essential cultural components. Uh, it's important that that our providers understand what's most crucial to navigating the organization. And we did this as part of our onboarding every month. Everybody goes on camera, introduces themselves, tells a little bit about themselves, where they're from, their role in their organization, their purpose. And we ask them to identify their leader as well as something fun, like a bucket list item or something they're proud of. What we realized is they didn't know who their leaders were. So this was a great opportunity to talk about the structure and how it's set up for their success, who they can go to. We were very intentional to repeat important aspects of our organizational structure, include our vision and values. We also addressed that we purposefully repeated some things they might get in organizational orientation. Right. If we don't point that out, it becomes a checkbox. We've already had that. We've already did this. So it's important to repeat, signpost, uh, tell our, our providers right what's happening so it becomes integrated in what we're doing. And so uh, by recognizing that and the aspect that all of our physicians, our leaders, really helps uh, identify what resources they'll need to be successful. 
So George also mentioned that this is a process. And as organizations grow and become large, it's very difficult to keep track of who's doing what and who's and where it's happening, as well as the responsible parties. So having a centralized process, whether it's uh, an effective electronic tracking system or even an Excel sheet that links everything together can be critical uh, for this process. George, do you have any other thoughts about that? Yeah, I think there's some great software available out there to track this, especially if you're a big system. Um, that you can use. There's also a lot of checklists. And I found a couple on the internet when I was doing some research that are available for nothing. And so, so I think, you know, if you're going to try to, I mean, I don't think this is, I think it's impossible to do this job correctly without some form of checklist. And then depending on your size, some form of electronic tracking, even if it's an Excel spreadsheet for two or three people. But if you're much larger, I think there's some sophisticated software out there that helps. Because again, I think Rob mentioned this, we don't see this as a, you know, a two or three week process. This is something that really doesn't really stop. Um, so, you know, that follow up at 90 days and 120 days and so on and so forth. Um, you could never remember that without some form of tracking. Mentorship or buddy system programs are essential and more so than just what we might think off the bat, the benefit for someone coming fresh out of training or new to the organization, having a clinical mentor or administrative mentors. What this provides is our opportunity to give our established physicians and staff the resources they need to be successful because we're all, and as many pointed out in the poll, looking for connection and cultural change. This is a way to bring those people back into the mix, provide them with the resources we're providing to the new hires, train them to be more effective mentors, give them basic coaching skills. And uh, this really has a, a, a significant impact on the organization when we invest properly in this. You know, this is such an important opportunity. And it's really about assigning that, let's say, physician um, you know, a clinical mentor and maybe an administrative mentor, and then, you know, encouraging them strongly to set up some meetings so that there's, you know, there's a, there's a contact there. And then, you know, my, what I've seen this work is it when, when the physician in this case, you know, has a question on how to get something done. Cause again, we all know, you know, healthcare is very local and, and the way you get things done in some places is different. You may, who's the best doc to do this? How do I get uh, a CPAP machine for that? Um, having the ability to text that mentor if there's nobody else around, or um, you know, is really valuable. Or it may just be I'm having a political issue at the hospital. We know those never happen, but just in case. Um, so again, you know, having that contact point to help steer um, both the clinical side and the administrative side um, can be really, really valuable, but, but it has to be, um, a, you know, I think, I believe a formalized program, uh, again, somewhat obvious, but sometimes gets overlooked is that internal and external marketing of, again, we're talking about a physician here, just for example, um, making sure that that doc gets out there and is introduced to some of the key, either folks that are going to be referring to them or folks that they're going to be referring to. And so, you know, getting out there and just, you know, being visible, the, you know, the internet access points, um, both internal and external to the organization um, are really critical and not something 
that's that's you know some people are comfortable doing without some help. And so that's where the you know, the marketing department can step in from the hospital or other folks. But again, making sure that some of those um, meetings are set up and some of those external exposure things are set up so that again um, the the practice gets jump started, and that's what you want. Okay, we could probably spend a whole hour on the EMR, um, but but trust me, I won't. Um, Obviously, almost every onboarding has some mandatory EMR training as part of the, either the Cerner or Epic or whoever, um, you know, process. And I think that's good and important. But I think what I want to also emphasize, the EMR is such a big part of um, practicing medicine these days. And frankly, it's just such a huge dissatisfier in many situations. So again, um, it's not going away. So anything we can do to help that physician or APP be more successful and more efficient in how they manage the EMR access um, is really important. So helping them beyond those courses, but shortcuts, templates, some follow-up um, access, and um, and knowing who to call to help when they run into some problems um, can be a huge uh, satisfier or maybe removing a huge dissatisfier is probably a better term. So um, don't overlook it and don't undersell the EMR piece. And to Rob, the point earlier that George mentioned that the the environments are going to be different and uh, a small private practice where uh, a senior partner is going to mentor uh, a new partner, uh, that might be more simple than, let's say, a large physician group with multiple components. With a surgical background, I have orientation for the organization, for the physician group, for my local practice, and all the hospitals that I'm going to work with. So uh, they're very different, and the needs are very different. So it's important to identify that, keep the lines of communication, and even take inventory of, of, of what, what's known, what's not known as a uh, as you build a, a, a coordinated uh, and structured process that in, includes some of the important aspects that we've talked about. And so the expectations, I think it's important to, again, realize that our physicians and clinicians want to participate, they want to integrate, and they want to be successful. So setting these the, the goals of the organization, reinforcing them on, on a number of levels is important. The metrics, show them what's important to the board. What is our scorecard? Get them familiar with it and ask them to, once they know who their leader is, review it and tie in what they do every day to some of these metrics. And it's not always obvious. It could be teamwork. It could be patient experience. It could be how we treat others. Tying that in has a, a lasting uh, impression. Participation in this uh, process is very important. And in my experience as a medical director, when, when we partnered with our recruiting teams, with our hospital teams, uh, in our local practices and participated in the onboarding process, it made a big difference. So our orientation included leaders. It was run by medical directors. Our chief medical officer and chief uh, administrative officer participated in a question and answer forum as part of that. That's important. That's important for that welcoming process to give the uh, uh, 
idea that we have an open door policy, who you can go to, who you can go to next, and find out all along the way, what did we do well? We start at our orientation. How did the recruiting process go? Right? What was your experience with credentialing? What could be better? And we take the feedback and they see the change and help become part of the change, the leaders that we talk about. So our new hires are, are, are become our, our vocal advocates of how it needs to be. And we're open about discussing some of the difficult issues. So if we don't prepare our new hires to the state of healthcare today, we have shortage of, of MAs, shortage of nurses, across the board, they they think it's unique to the organization and it reflects poorly. When we talk about it and talk about it openly and come up with solutions and ideas, we really grow uh, as an organization and they feel valued by uh, lending their input. And again, being uh, intentional, scheduling these meetings, including physician leaders when possible, uh, that's not always possible, but have but having other leaders, whether they're administrative, practice directors, practice managers, give feedback. Establishing that feedback culture is essential. Okay, who's been in a situation where a doc is leaving the area, and when when you ask why, the answer is, well, my my wife or my husband was not happy. Um, that happens a lot. So I think. You know, you've got to remember this is a family unit. Oftentimes, folks are moving as a group, so you can't forget about the significant other or the spouse in the onboarding process. And the onboarding is different. So, who do I see? Who, which dentist do I take my kids to? Where's the best private school? Is public school safe and, and a good school? Um, what about churches or synagogues or other religious? Um, how do I get my banking done? I mean, those seem like kind of silly things, but if you're moving into a new area, um, who do you ask? Uh, you know, spouses reach out to other spouses that from, you know, folks that are in the community to the new to the new spouse or significant other. Um, again, making them feel welcome, answering, you know, those questions that are so, sort of silly to us who live in a community for years. But, um, I, you know, I've been into new communities and, and some of the simplest things you're just trying, you know, where, where do I buy a house? Where's a good area of town? What about the road systems? I mean, silly things things, but but they come really important. When you, when you do them wrong, um, you understand how important it is to ask the questions up front. So really, th- this is um, you know an important area that so often gets overlooked because it's not in folks' wheelhouse up front when they're thinking about the, pro- the pure professional onboarding. If I might interject, we had a great question come in. Um, are the various mentors from within the department with the the physician or member of the medical staff will be working in, or do you recommend from outside the department or a combination? I think it depends on, you know, where you are and what the resources are. I think if I really had my druthers, it would be someone in the same specialty area inside the department. Um, If that's not always possible, maybe sort of somebody an adjacent department, like let's say, um, you know, maybe perinatology could be OB or something that's that's related. So there's there's that connection in terms of the the working relationship. But you know, it honestly doesn't have to be because a lot of the, you know, this is not going to be somebody I'm asking medical questions of. This is going to be someone I'm I'm trying to figure out how I get things done. Um, how do I get a stack consult done on a Sunday night? Um, who's the best? You know, those kind of things that that you know the working process. Of, of getting things done in a healthcare system that you're not familiar with. Um, so, um, 
I think that's the best answer I can give. Rob, anything you want to add? Yeah, I would add that, you know, clinical mentors is one thing, but much of the mentor uh, programs that I've been involved with are around the cultural and connection aspects. Right. And uh, having people remote from your practice where you might be having some frustrations and having that really sacred uh, 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 a relationship with a mentor or a coach distant from that is beneficial. So where I, where I came from, all, we, we put physicians, uh, leaders and people wanting to be leaders through trainingship uh, programs. And those part of the program was they would be trained to be the mentors. And there were group mentors, individual mentors. And oftentimes it was most effective when it was outside of the de- department. So depending yeah. on the need, uh, uh, I would say, uh, that's the best way to go. So it's a combination of all of the yeah. above. No, I think that's a great point. And in a, in a highly political environment, that's probably perhaps better in, in a, an environment that's maybe less political, um, maybe not so necessary. So yes, I agree. Onboarding is really, it's an ongoing process that really doesn't necessarily end at any point in time. Um, you know, you want to be connecting back at 90 days, of course, but also in 12 months and, and maybe also in 18 months. Um, you know, set a schedule that works for, for you guys and just touch base back. And then, you know, in a best case scenario, you, you take that person and you say, well, what do we do right? What do we do wrong? Maybe you want to be help us for the next round and you want to be a mentor next time to, to somebody because you've just been through it. So um, again, it's an ongoing process that keeps going and doesn't really end because again, you know, this is your culture. This is what you're building. So that connectivity um, is is key and, and it can't end just at, at, you know, 30 or 60 days when the credentialing and compliance piece is uh, the boxes are checked. I know um, Dr. Maisel, Dr. Minkus and I regularly have the opportunity to work across healthcare organizations and we are happy to set up a follow-up coaching call with anyone uh, that's a part of this conversation live or on demand to learn about your retention goals and performance, see if there's opportunities to elevate your onboarding and retention practices and create some sustainability modeling um, for you over the long term. And I know we are just at time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks thank for you, Dr. Maisel and Dr. Mingus. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Katie.